welcome to this special bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus Ask an Expert episode, I'm joined by Candela Medical's National Clinical Operations Manager, Kirsten Keisha. Professional skin clinics are finally back open and the festive season is almost upon us. So we have received an influx of questions recently regarding skin treatments for everything from hair removal and skin tightening through to pigmentation and spider veins. Kirsten Keisha is Candela Medical's National Clinical Operations Manager and an undisputed expert in all things laser. And although this episode is sponsored by Candela, you won't hear Kirsten recommending specific products or treatments. As per the rest of this Ask an Expert series, I have sought experts to give you objective answers to your questions so that you can take that information and make educated decisions regarding which treatments are right for you. This episode was recorded remotely in the lead up to restrictions easing and clinics reopening, so there may be a couple of little audio discrepancies. For those who would prefer to read the answers to their questions, I have made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we have taken the questions you submitted on all things laser and IPL to Kirsten. From the difference between laser and IPL, whether one is better than the other, and if it's even worth undergoing a hair removal treatment so close to summer, through to how lasers affect pigment, what's involved in a spider vein treatment, and whether or not laser treatments are really permanent. We received a number of questions that we have touched on previously, but I thought it would be really good to revisit some of them. So then this can serve as a bit of a a year in review, if you will, the most frequently asked questions. To start, very top level, what is laser? When we hear people talking about laser treatments for the skin, for hair removal, so on and so forth, what actually is this laser that they're talking about? And also, this popped up, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Is it true that LASER is actually an acronym? Yes, it is an acronym. And that acronym stands for Light Amplification by Stimulated Emissions of Radiation. The more you know. LASER is actually a wavelength of light on the magnetic spectrum. It is monochromatic, so one colour. It is non-divergent. It is coherent. So what that means is that it travels in time, in one direction, um, in waves that are identical every time. And this makes laser intense. So how does laser differ from IPL? And I guess on that note, what is IPL? Well, laser and IPL are very different. IPL stands for intense pulse light, um, and that is also on the magnetic spectrum of light, although IPL covers um, a band of wavelengths, not just one, anywhere between 400 and 1,200 nanometers. IPL is many colours. It is mm-hmm. non-divergent. It is not coherent and therefore not as intense as lasers. 
So think of it as IPL as a flashlight in comparison to a laser beam. One will light up a room and the other will be a very small, intense spot on the wall. There you go. Okay, so quite different. Again, broadly speaking, who would you recommend laser for and who or for what concerns is better suited to IPL? And also, is one better or more effective than the other? Lasers and IPLs have come a really long way um, over the years and they are great in the aesthetic industry for many indications. What we need to do is understand the indication, the chromophore or the skin concern that you are treating, the skin type of the person, and then you can choose the laser wavelength that is going to be suitable. To think of it in another way, laser wavelengths are attracted to a specific endogenous or exogenous chromophore, either blood, melanin, water or tattoo pigment um, in the case of tattoo removal. Just for an example, the Alexandrite 755 nanometer wavelength is very attracted to melanin and is therefore widely used for hair reduction. On the other hand, a band of IPL, say from 530 to 750 nanometer wavelengths, covers all of those wavelengths in between and treats the peaks of haemoglobin and melanin and so therefore is attracted to both chromophores and it is widely used for rejuvenation. So to answer your question, I don't think one is better than the other, just more suitable for the treatment and the skin type of the customer. Mm -hmm. I had a listener write in saying, I have heard different types of lasers mentioned on the podcast. What do different lasers do? I imagine that this is in relation to some that we've talked about in previous episodes off the top of my head there's been co2 pulse dye nd yag but i'm sure there's countless yeah um lasers and ipl devices as i mentioned in the last question are, are attracted to specific chromophores for instance with the pulse dye laser that you mentioned this is a 959 a 595, sorry, 595 nanometer wavelength, and it is attracted to oxyhemoglobin, so the more superficial, very red, tiny little blood vessels. Um, the 595 pulse dye laser is the gold standard laser for telangiectasias, rosacea, port wine stains, and venous lakes. ENDAG 1064 nanometer wavelength. Um, which is another uh, type of laser that we use for vascular lesions, penetrates a lot deeper than the pulse dye 595. And um, it's also used, as I said, for vascular lesions, but many other indications such as laser hair reduction um, and bulk heating of the dermis to achieve neocollagenesis. And we use it because it's not hugely attracted to melanin. And so therefore it's really great for treating the darker skin types. When the wavelengths go past 1100 nanometers, they are only attracted to water. So for example, you mentioned the CO2. Um, this device is 10,600 nanometers. Um, it, is, it only sees the water in the skin and therefore it is used for tissue ablation fractionated ablation for treatments such as wrinkle reduction and scar revision. IPLs see a range of chromophores as they are a band of light, they are many, many wavelengths, 
and they reach different depths into the tissue and they are also divergent which means the wavelengths go in all directions and therefore they are widely used for photorejuvenation treatments such as pigmentation and some vascular lesions. Now there's another um, type of um, device which is radiofrequency which is not laser or IPL um, and this is a modality that is not chromophore specific or dependent. So therefore it doesn't see blood or melanin and it can be used on all skin types. And radiofrequency is widely used for um, non-ablative skin resurfacing and skin tightening. When I put the call out for questions on the basics of laser and IPL, most people immediately went to hair removal specifically. So let's get into that. How exactly do lasers work to remove hair? Laser hair removal um, is based on the theory of selective photothermalysis. So in other words, we use a specific wavelength that is attracted to the melanin in the hair follicle. And once the photons of light have been absorbed by the, the melanin in the hair and the stem cells um, in the surrounding area, um, which um, reside just below the bulge, and, um, and there's also melanin in the shaft of the hair. Um, there's blood vessels as well that feed the bulb of the hair. And um, once the photons of light see all of these chromophores, they are converted to heat. And it is this heat that partially destroys your target over a course of treatments. A listener asks, will laser work for fair skin and light hair? I've heard conflicting things. And similarly, I've had people ask, can laser hair removal work for those with dark skin and dark hair? Best case scenario is dark hair, fair skin. That way the light will see the target extremely well and be very successful. That's not to say you can't try it on a light brown hair. Um, it will work. It just might take a few more treatments, um, but you definitely won't be able to treat white hairs, grey hairs, some red hairs. Mm -hmm. And um, with dark skins, um, as long as they have black hair, um, we do get great results with the NDI 1064. As I mentioned, it's very safe on darker skins, um, but those skin types may need a few extra treatments and also a longer relaxation time to allow for better healing. Another listener asks, is laser safe? We've had a few skin cancer scares in our family, so I'm a little bit nervous. So is there a link between laser and cancer or even just sunburn? very good question if you have a history of skin cancer in the family it is best to have a skin check equal skin cancer clinic before embarking on any laser lasers are intense they are medical devices so they can burn the skin if they are not used correctly it is very important to follow the guidelines to ensure best outcomes and best practice Lasers are not ionising, they are non-ionising forms of radiation, so they cannot cause or stimulate cancer cells, although it is a definite contraindication. Um, do not laser over a raised lesion or a lesion that you cannot diagnose. As always, follow your guidelines, check for any contraindications, tans, fake tans, sunburn, 
are all contraindications. And if you are concerned about a specific lesion, then refer them to a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Can we expect to see any side effects after laser hair removal? Look, it's a fairly non-invasive treatment. Um, laser hair reduction, however, can come with some erythema, which is an inflammation and a swelling around the follicles. This usually only lasts anywhere between 2 to 24 hours. There is always going to be a sensitivity to UV radiation. So keep the area out of direct sunlight, wear a sunscreen, um, a hat if it's on the face or um, cover up if the area is exposed to UV radiation. Usually you can return to work straight away as long as you stay cool, wear loose clothing, um, don't go rubbing or scratching the area. Um, If, on the other hand, there was an unusual reaction, such as excessive swelling or excessive redness, then um, contact the clinic straight away and they will be able to help you with that. A listener writes, I want to get laser, but is it pointless now that we're so close to summer? I know you can't go into the sun afterwards, so should I just wait until next year? So bouncing off that question, what time of year do you recommend for treatments? This is a really good point because, um, yes, we know that um, suntans are a contraindication. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, um, uh, if you live in a warm client, um, you work outdoors and or you spend a lot of time outdoors in summer, in other words, you are a sun lover, um, in this case, it is recommended that you wait until April or May and continue your treatments throughout the winter months. On the other hand, if you work indoors and you stay out of the sun and you are very sun smart, then you can still um, have your laser hair reduction treatments all year round. But just remember, tanning and laser definitely do not mix. And if you do, then it will quite possibly result in hyperpigmentation or even worse, hypopigmentation. You've given me a perfect segue because I've had another listener ask, I know that I can't have fake tan on, something about it burning. Why is that? Pigment is pigment, whether it is real tan, fake tan, bronzer, um, etc. Any Anything that's going to darken the skin the light is still going to be attracted to it. It is going to be absorbed by the brown colour and so therefore potentially it could burn the skin. You can't cheat the system. It's not worth trying. (laughs) How many hair removal treatments do you find that clients usually need and are the results permanent? The FDA have approved the term laser hair reduction as there is a chance there will always be a small percentage of hairs regrowing. Hairs have a cycle of growth going through three stages. Different areas of the body stay in one particular stage longer than others, so therefore that area may need more treatments than another area. Along with that, hormones govern hair growth, and if something changes after a course of treatments, um, this may stimulate um, a, a new growth of hair. Um, This could be a result of an illness, um, particular medications that somebody's been put on, um, pregnancy, um, menopause, just to name a few. 
But in general, eight to 10 treatments is, is very common as long as the treatment procedure is performed correctly. Let's move on to laser and IPL for the skin as opposed to the hair. What are some of the most common skin concerns that are treatable by laser? Some of the most common skin concerns that are treated by laser are benign pigmented lesions such as freckles, dyschromia, hypoderma, solar lentigo. Um, in other words, most types of sun damage, um, vascular lesions, benign vascular lesions, rosacea, acne, um, scars, stretch marks and wrinkles. Um, just to name the most common types. Pigmentation is definitely the concern that popped up the most in our listener-submitted questions. One listener says, I've tried every product possible to fade pigmentation, but I want to get a clinical treatment now that salons are open. Should laser be my first port of call or should I be trying something like a peel? I think it's important to speak to your clinician um, or your doctor or dermatologist, um, whoever you go and see, and ask what the options are in that clinic and according to the skin consultation that they will do for you. Depending on the diagnosis, you might need to prep for a few weeks um, and also depending on the, you know, the skin type. Um, before having a laser treatment. And that may include um, peels, it may include prepping the skin with pigment inhibitors, but it will most definitely include wearing a sunscreen and staying out of the sun for at least two weeks before you have your treatment. My favorite piece of advice. So how do lasers affect pigment? What does a pigmentation treatment usually entail? Okay, so there are a few lasers and IPL devices that treat pigmentation. Um, just two that we use um, are the long pulse laser and the picosecond laser. Long post thermal lasers will denaturate the pigmented cells, which will cause a darkening. And as the cells slowly turn over, um, they will desquamate. And these little micro crusts um, usually take about 14 days to resolve and a further two to four weeks before you can see the results of your treatment or retreat if necessary. A picosecond laser is a short pulse um, device um, using uh, acoustic sound waves and they, and they also have a very high peak power and this um, very short pulse and high peak power causes pressure waves to shatter the pigmented cells. And this triggers an immune response, which will then clear away the cell debris over the next four to six weeks, eventuating in a gradual fading of the pigmentation. And then we have IPLs that treat pigmentation. Um, and they have filters within their applicators to block out certain wavelengths and narrow the band of light so that pigment is the predominant target. IPLs are also thermal devices and similar to the long pulse laser, there will be darkening of the pigment over the next 24 hours and there is a similar time um, when you have cell turnover and they are desquamated. And, um, and again, 
within four weeks' time, you usually see a much more even tone. A listener has written in saying, I want laser for pigmentation, but I've also heard that laser can cause hyperpigmentation. Is this true? Well, there are always risks to any laser treatment for pigmentation. There needs to be a thorough consultation and a strict compliance to post-care regimes to prevent hyperpigmentation. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really important that you follow the guidance of um, the person who's doing the treatment and, um, and, and don't do anything um, to uh, cause any adverse um, events. Are the results permanent? How many treatments do we usually need before we start seeing results in terms of that pigment fading? Again, results will depend on what has caused the pigment in the first place and, again, compliance to post-care. But we usually recommend a course of three to four treatments. A listener wrote in saying, I've had great results from laser for my pigmentation and now I want to have a surgical scar removed. Is the treatment for scarring similar to the treatment for pigmentation? Well, depending on the type of or how the scar got there, um, it's usually a result of trauma to the dermis, um, which then results in scar tissue and a contracture and tightening of the collagen fibres. Firstly, if the scar is pigmented, um, you can use a laser or an IPL device to, to remove the brown pigmentation or any vascular damage. Sometimes scars have a lot of vascularity around them. And, um, and then if the scar is raised, if it's hypertrophic, um, then we recommend a fractional laser um, or an ablative laser um, to slowly flatten the scar. Spider veins were the next most frequently asked about concern. How does a laser treatment for those visible veins actually work? Vascular lesions are treated with a thermal device, a long pulse thermal device as well. And the mechanism is coagulation of the vessel um, and then a denaturation of the vessel wall will, will occur as well. And the wound repair process will then clear away that cell debris, resulting in a clearance of the vessel on the face um, within four weeks. On the body, it's usually about six to eight weeks. You've, again, a perfect um, segue. I was going to ask if there were any side effects or downtime. We've covered the downtime, but any, you know, side effects? All laser treatments have a certain amount of downtime, but the more aggressive, the more downtime. So, again, it is very important to follow post-care advice and stay out of the sun. There's two things that keep coming up. Stay out of the sun and listen to the experts. (laughs) It's pretty simple. You can't go wrong. Skin tightening and treatments for mature skin also popped up quite a bit. How do these sorts of treatments work? Skin tightening treatments range, again, from non-invasive to invasive, depending on the laser and the type of treatment. Um, The non-invasive treatments uh, can can be a simple bulk heating of the dermis to stimulate collagen. Um, Or we have the acoustic um, fractional 
treatment that, that we do with the PeakAway device um, using our Resolve fractionated um, wavelengths. And they create optical cavities in the dermis, which results in a plasma formation and eventuating in a better organised dermal collagen restructure. There are the more invasive skin tightening treatments um, and they have a longer downtime due to the intensity and the excessive heat, which can cause resurfacing as well as coagulation and bulk heating in the dermis. Um, there is a longer downtime and so therefore there's less treatments needed. Um, but if you do have two or three treatments, there's going to be a longer interval between those treatments. And also, as mentioned earlier, radiofrequency can also be used for a non-ablative fractionated skin resurfacing. And this has a less downtime than the ablative resurfacing. So they're also really popular for wrinkles, open pores, dyschromia, um, and scars as well. Final question. What would your advice be to anyone who has been looking into laser or looking into IPL treatments, whether that's for hair removal or for the skin or anything, but they're feeling a little bit nervous about it? I would advise them to research a reputable practitioner, have a thorough skin consultation, ask all the questions that you have um, in your head about the treatment procedure, post-care um, results, how long um, you can expect to see results and um, look at some before and after photos. Make an educated decision as to whether that practitioner is going to be the right person to do your treatment and then just remember that if you follow the guidelines and the advice of the practitioner, you will get great results. However, if you don't follow their advice, particularly with, say, a pigment, pigment treatment and you go back out in the sun, then it's always going to come back. So um, best practice um, is to listen and do as you're told and you can't go wrong. That was Kirsten Keisha, National Clinical Operations Manager at Candela Medical. You can discover more about Candela, including the laser devices I swear by for both hair removal and skin treatments, at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at candelamedicalanz. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast. And thank you for joining me.